Twitter, we're starting 2019 with laughter. I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. Children, the year 3000 is only 81 years away. Good morning. You're watching AO to DM. It's the first show of 2019. First show of 2019. I'm happy to be back. I'm so happy to be back. We're back, baby. We did it. We did do it. I feel like a sign of a great break. We, of course, spent the holiday you in New York. I was in Mexico City. It's like you have a wonderful time, and you're excited to kind of get back into your groove. I felt ready to come back to work today, and that felt nice. Mm. Let me tell tell me about it. How was Mexico City? Oh, my God. You know I love it. I went to Mexico. So last year, I was in New Orleans, Isaac went to Mexico City for the holidays. This time I went. It was incredible. It was my first time there. Altitude is not a joke. Mm, that's true. Shout out to that hype. Um, but I just loved it. The food, the culture, it is cool. I mean, and there were several moments where I was like, the way our president talks about Mexico and Latin America, it was just like laughing in the face of all that idiocy because it is a cosmopolitan, fashionable city. Shout out to yeah, the Mexican sh- show designer. It off, show it off. Shout out to this look. I like that I love eye. It. Evil eye, yeah. Y'all act a fool here on out. Oh, <laughs> you're going to point I'm that at me. For it. I love you're it. You're going to point that at me. But did you have some like favorite holiday Oh, moments? yeah, absolutely. Listen, I got up to my sister's place. I got to see my niece and my I love two it. nephews. Mm-hmm. saw my brother and my sister. And I got all the kids wooden swords and one dragon costume. So one of them could dress up like the dragon. The other ones could chase it with the wooden swords. That's really Kids cute. loved it. Yeah. Parents hated it. And that's exactly the kind of uncle I try to be. So I'm feeling really, really good. Did you have like a favorite memory or moment? Oh gosh, I, it's, it is hard to choose, particularly like being in a new city. I'm like, it, it is all great. I will say this, um, for New Year's Eve, I got to go to a queer dance party in downtown Mexico City. Mm. They, I tweeted about this, they tweeted, um, they when you walked up, you, they put little stickers all over the, the camera parts of your phone so you couldn't take pictures. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt very present and everything. And at one point I'm like sitting in the corner feeling all cute and vocal, and I turned <laughs> and I saw Steve Kennels from from Pose. Whoa. I love Steve. He's so lovely. And I was like shook. I was like, stop. I was like, I'm not posing. I'm not. I'm just <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> my pose isn't good enough to pose in front of the guy yeah. that can help create Pose. Like, so how no. great to be like at a queer party, like dancing and turn around and see like one of the creators of your favorite shows. And I was I was on your Twitter. I was on your Instagram. You met a lot of famous people. That's all tea, I'm going to say. Tea. Uh, I myself, let me tell you, I went to the Brooklyn Museum. If you are in New York, Soul of a Nation is a Ooh. great exhibit. It's art in the time of black power. I definitely oh. recommend you get over there that was an incredible shout moment. out to that but listen gang we missed you so catch us up tell us what your favorite memories from the holiday season were let us know using the hashtag am2 did you miss us too <laughs> we need attention to survive all right well speaking of the new year connor jenkinson tweeted this he said dry january is more of a need than a want <laughs> <laughs> Been there, sis. I feel like I'm ha- not one to judge. Have you done a dry January? I haven't. I haven't because you know I have commitment <laughs> issues. <laughs> but also full stop. Full stop. Just like in you general. It wasn't about a month. In general, but I, I create anxiety <laughs> if it's something like, okay, I have to do the same thing every day for a month. You know, like they're often writing things. I was like, I'm gonna write a page a day. And it's just like, well, if the only way to do this right is to be perfect, mm. it stresses me out. Mm. That's my thing. I can see that. So I'll try to, I'm gonna try to limit my alcohol consumption, mm. like bring it down. But you leave you? room for errors. For me, I'm more of a uh, dry February kind of guy. Shortest month of the year. Shortest month of the year. That's the key right there, my man. You do it to honor black history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do it to honor my birthday, trying okay. to be healthy in my T-T-T. birthday month. Shout out to that. Thank Shout you. out to you, Thank self-care. You. All right, well, let's talk about dry January. I have missed, it's been like 10 days. I haven't been able to harass you. I miss you, honey. All right, BuzzFeed News health editor Teresa Tempkins joins us now. Good luck, Teresa. Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year. All right, we are crazy this morning, but we are excited. For people who don't know, what exactly is Dry January? Well, Dry January is actually a public health campaign that was started about six years ago in the UK, and it's really catching on in the United States. Okay, that is really interesting to me, because I've always yeah. seen, like I used to be a bartender. I know we used to do Sober September. Right. You used to basically have to take a month uh -huh. off, but this started in the UK. Yeah, it's not just people being like, oh, New Year's was rough. It's actually healthy. Yeah, it's just not kind of a thing that happened. It's, it's an actual public health campaign where they're encouraging people to, to not drink for a month. So are there any real health benefits to doing a dry January? Well, it's sort of debated right now. Um, there are definitely some things that you might notice. You might sleep better. Some people say they have better skin. They have better energy levels. Um, other health experts say it's not the best approach to alcohol, that this sort of like all or nothing approach um, can give you a false sense of security, that if you can get through the month of January without drinking, that you don't have any problems with alcohol. So they're concerned about that. Oh, I hadn't even, because I was thinking about like, you know, just like the pressure of getting through the month, but you're saying like, actually people go, okay, I got through a month, so now I can do whatever I want for the rest of the year? Yeah, basically they go back to like not so great drinking habits for February and the rest of the year, and uh, health experts think that's not such a great idea. I don't know uh, anybody like that. <gasps> The shame of it all. Well, do you have any, you know, any tips for people who are considering it? Yeah, I think you should really think about why you're doing it, like what you want to get out of it as you're going into it. Like, do you want to learn? You know, it's always good to find out your relationship with alcohol and take a take a look at that. Um, it's good if you if you decide it's right for you. You might want to do it with a friend. Like most things health related, uh, you're more likely to be successful if you surround yourself by people that are doing the same thing. Hmm. You might want to. Uh, you know, stock up on drinks that are special and different so that if you're replacing a glass of wine or a cocktail every night, you might have seltzer or flavored water or something like that. So there are things that you can do to make it more successful. That's real, man. When I did uh, Dry February, I drank so much of this one particular type of seltzer. This was a few years ago mm -hmm. now. Uh, I think I went through on my birthday night, because it is my birthday month, I went through like 28 of them in one night. <laughs> Keep throwing them back. them back. I do want to ask, though, for those of us that maybe aren't going to do like a dry month, but are maybe mm. looking to have a healthier 2019. Mm. Do you have any tips for, for kind of, or, or health benefits for limiting your drinking there? Yeah, I think it's a good idea to, to examine your relationship with alcohol on, on a regular basis. Like I think it's a good idea to think about whether you need to cut back or whether it, it all depends. It's very highly personal. They, there's some guidelines for what's a safe level of alcohol intake, but it's, uh, it's, it's very individual to the, to the person. And if, if alcohol is causing a problem in your life, then yes, you probably should be cutting it back or even cutting it out completely. And just um, one more, this is just off the cuff, Teresa, but also for those of us who may not be doing a dry January or who are not sober in general, like do you have any advice as a health editor on like how not to be an asshole? Because I think the other thing mm, that happens mm. is when people are like, I'm doing this, it's kind of like a, oh, come on, you can have a drink. What are some or things to like, keep in are mind? Are you pregnant? Oh, yeah. my God. It's good to be really, really sensitive to other people and alcohol. So many times people are like, you can have just one or just say, come on. And I feel like if you're just sensitive to other people and their relationship with alcohol, I think that's the best thing that you can do. Even if you're not uh, completely abstaining from alcohol in January, you could be a little more sensitive to other people who are. Um, there's a lot of people that are tweeting like, dry January, and then they're posting pictures of alcohol. I think it's like you could be respectful that some people might want to really do this to take a look at whether sobriety is right for them. So I think it's just being respectful of other people's uh, boundaries I guess, in terms of- That's so helpful. That's the energy I'm taking into 2019. I love, I love it. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you for having me. And let's take you to the timeline. What's something you'd like to give up for the month of January, whether it be alcohol or something totally different? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. 
Well, it is the 12th day of the government shutdown. Yes, 12 days. Uh, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News reporter Salvadez Hernandez. Federal workers are scrambling to push back mortgages, car pavements, student loans, and credit card payments during the government shutdown. One person I spoke to has to decide whether to pay her rent by emptying her bank account or risk eviction. Ooh, yeah, the third government shutdown of 2018, the third, has followed us into 2019, and Salvador joins us now to discuss how federal workers are coping. Good morning, Salvador. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on. Um, listen, you spoke yeah. with numerous federal employees affected by this shutdown. How are their holidays? So most of them had a pretty skimpy holiday. Um, you know, some of the ones that I talked to, uh, they were, uh, you know, talking about uh, taking back presents that they didn't end up um, giving out during Christmas. Um, I know that there was one particular one from uh, the Department of Homeland Security that I spoke to that even before the the shutdown hit, like uh, her and her family, they just, you know, were preparing for it. And they just had a pretty thin uh, Christmas. And even one of her kids noticed, which kind of broke her heart. And that's kind of how they were trying to, uh, you know, prepare for it as it was coming. It's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. In 12 days, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and supporting a family, can feel like an eternity. Um, something that I've been thinking about is, you know, will some people receive back pay? Do we know when, if at all? Will, you know, does that apply to, like, contractors, for example? Do we have any sense of how this works? So most federal employees, and not contractors, but people who are, you know, uh, federal employees, they expect to get back pay, right? So you're talking about there's about um, 350,000 that are furloughed. Um, so the, those are folks that are not working, um, but they expect to get uh, paid. There's about um, 500,000 that are working without pay, and they definitely expect to get paid. And, um, you know, once the government uh, opens up again, the problem is that nobody knows how long that will be. So as they're preparing for the shutdown, they have no idea how long to kind of, you know, um, get ready for it. So there's people who are, you know, they're talking to the creditors, they're talking to their landlords, they're trying to work something out, but um, it's hard to do that um, when you don't know exactly when it's going to end. So they're just trying to cut back as much as they can. Wow. Imagine that. You're working for the U.S. government. It should be a stable job. Yeah. And you're arguing with your landlord to push back rent right. so that you can hopefully get your next paycheck and make that payment. Again, this is such a heartbreaking story. I did want to ask, um, I saw people taking to Twitter, federal employees using hashtag shutdown stories. And I was a little surprised. I want to ask Salvador, were you a little surprised to see these people taking to Twitter to share their stories? You know, a little bit, you know, sometimes, you know, government employees, they don't necessarily want to talk about their job, um, especially not like in public and not in like in a media setting. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. And some of the ones that I reached out to, you know, once it, you know, they knew that I was a reporter and that their story um, might get a little bit more attention, they kind of, you know, pulled back and they didn't want to talk. Um, I know that there's some people that they were very surprised when their tweets went viral, uh, semi-viral, like on the shutdown stories hashtag. So they kind of regretted doing that. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, a lot of them were very worried about what was happening. So, um, you know, it was, I was a little surprised, but it, like a lot of people want to get the story out because they, they're not sure that people understand how much they're being affected by it. You know, like most Americans, you know, if their paycheck was shut down, just one paycheck, they're going to be deeply affected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, government shutdowns are not acts of God. They are not natural disasters. Um, there's a reason the federal government has shut down. So did any of the people you spoke to for your reporting talk about the politics of the shutdown? You know, 
only uh, only one that I spoke to actually brought it up um, on their own. Most of them, um, it was actually I who initiated that conversation. And even when I did, um, they really didn't want to jump into it. Um, not necessarily because you know they don't feel strongly or, or not about politics, but because the point that they were trying to make was that this wasn't about politics and that, you know, regardless of how they were being uh, impacted, this was really an issue that they were facing from, from both parties, from the executive, from the legislative branch. Um, so they were really more concerned about their paycheck. So even when it did come up, they, they kind of didn't want to really jump too much into it, to, to be honest. Just kind of talking about how it is a problem in general. Um, what are the options for these federal workers? Like, are, are they being tempted by the private sector? Like, mm. if, if you join the federal government, you're looking for job security, all of a sudden, bigger paycheck looks good. Yeah, and you know, for most, um, I think for most government workers, one of the things that really pulls them in there is the stability, right? So it's, you know, they get a pension, it's usually a pretty stable job. And because of the shutdowns that have, that have happened, like you guys mentioned, there's been three, there were three in 2018 and we're still on the third one. Um, and uh, the ones that the people that I spoke to were definitely taking that into account. You know, is it time to really jump ship, go into the private sector? Um, what should they do? Um, I know there was uh, one couple that I spoke to from DC and they're not sure that that's the best option because, you know, from the work that they do, it's usually... Uh, with the government. So their only other option is contractors. And as I, as you guys mentioned, like contractors, they're not going to get back pay. So they would really be in the worse setting than, than they are at the moment. So um, they're, they're reevaluating, re I think, because of, of the number of shutdowns that they've gone through. Gosh, this is so hard. Well, our thoughts are with everyone affected by the shutdown. Salvador, thank you for your reporting, for sharing their stories. Thanks, guys. All right, well, listen, we're going to be talking more about the government shutdown when we go live from the district. Plus, Will Rowland from Dear Evan Hansen and Be More Chill is in the studio. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to him, but up next is Fire Tweets. Burn it down! Burn it down! Welcome back. <laughs> we asked you, what's something you'd like to give up for the month of January? Mm. And Nathan said, worrying. Oh. Amen. Well, amen. Shut up. something we don't know. A prayer. <laughs> I like that. I would love to give up worrying for you. I don't know how I'm going to. Now I'm worrying about giving up Look, worrying. Look, you, you stressed him out, Nathan. <laughs> you stressed Isaac out. All right, let's get into these fire tweets. This first one comes from Derby. Black people. Whose man is this? White people. Get a load of this guy. Yes! <laughs> oh, I love a good, I, do, I love a good get a load of this guy. I was guy. like, that is something guys accept. Ooh, get a load of this guy. Shout out to the emojis. I just mm. really, I just, mm. shout out to the composition of this yeah, tweet. Yeah, that's a beautiful tweet. I like this. It's very well done. Bravo, Derby. Get a load, all right, sorry. <laughs> all right, Austin tweeted, you all ever ride with someone that drives fast as fuck and you push your imaginary brakes on the passenger side? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that yes. happens. Ooh, five. Also, ye yellow cab taxis in New York, I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes about, like, class. These taxi drivers are terrifying. Which I love. They I, are. They I mean, when you're like, listen, you got to go. Like, it's great. But sometimes I'm like, whoa, girl. Whoa, girl. I'm trying to make the meeting, not trying to meet my final destination. Okay? Like, come back. Not trying to meet your maker. Yes. So you want, you, want, you want, like, a little tap the brake in the back? I, I do. I definitely, that is definitely an impulse. I feel that right foot going. All right. This tweet comes from Petty Mommy. It's pretty good. Apple, when I delete somebody's number, maybe you should forget they asked to. Mmm. Mm, that's I like true. that. I like, can I be petty? Yeah, go so ahead. Talk about petty mommy. Tw New Year's Day, picture it. 1.19 a.m. 
I get a sup text from uh, like a true fuckboy Scorpio. I left him on red. Whoa! I was great. I was like, look at that. That's All called right. growth. That is growth. I was like, new year, new me, indeed. You, you it just, just felt left great. It? I was like, screw you. Okay. No. Or, no. or not. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. Tweet of the day. Tweet of the day. Tweet of the day. Oh my God. Tweet of the day comes from Taekwon. I fucked up already. 2020 <laughs> is my year for sure. Oh no. That's how I feel, baby. Oh, I'm gonna get it all right in 2020. So 2019's already a mess. <laughs> I like this kind of like manage expectations. Yeah, exactly. You're running for president? Keep is that what you just told us? Nope. 2020? Sure ain't. Oh, okay. Well, coming up, <laughs> Isaac, I will be sitting down with Broadway actor Will Rowland, but up next we're going live from the district. Nothing to talk about there. Should be no. quick. Nothing happened. Quick chat. Mm. Quick chat. Welcome back. Did you know the president tweeted 96 times since Friday, December 21st? And they're all there if you want to read them. We don't. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lisandra Villa. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. And Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Thank you. Same to you. Okay, now we see that you have not tweeted since December 22nd. So are you running in 2020? <laughs> yeah, I was meeting with my exploratory committee in that time, and my platform is that you don't have to tweet every single thing. I like Ooh. it. I'm going to come up with a name for your super pack. <laughs> okay, and you're going to start All right, anyways, I'm, we're going to get to who's running in 2020 That's in true. just a minute. But first, let's start with this tweet from ABC News. President Trump has invited congressional leaders to a briefing Wednesday on border security at the White House. Now, Lisa, I saw this morning that the meeting's going to take place in the Situation Room? Why is that? Well, because we have a situation on our hands. But if you recall, in December, um, there was that big meeting that got televised with, that included Chuck, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And it so happens that the press is not allowed in the Situation Room. So we won't be seeing that sort of chaotic, playing out live meeting today. Oh, interesting. And Nancy it, might be good. Like, uh, let's stay in there. I'm sorry, just real quick. I rem if I remember correctly, Trump brought the reporters into right. that meeting himself, right? right. Interesting. Yes, that's right. Trump did invite the press in. Okay, so this time he's like, stay out. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, of course, you know, a lot of people left town, left D.C., and then the shutdown happened. Was, is it fair to say that there was no movement on negotiations over the holiday? Nothing has really changed. Lawmakers were gone. They maybe shouldn't have been. They probably should have been here. This shutdown obviously shouldn't be happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, things have been at a standstill as everyone's been gone for the holidays. Okay, so as we return... Uh, and again, we just spoke with uh, Salvador about those federal workers, and that was like such a sad story. But as we return, remind us, what proposals are put forward right now to end this government shutdown? Well, remember that at one point, the Senate had even passed the CR. They were ready to go. But then, and a, a CR is a continuing resolution that just continues funding levels. It would have gotten them over, over the holidays. It would have given them time to figure something out once they got back. Um, but then the House decided to attach this $5 billion that Trump wants for the wall. That was that on arrival in the Senate. So there are proposals out there to just buy some time, get through this, figure something out. The, tr the wall is the one sticking point. And Democrats have offered border security money. But as long as it's not a wall, Trump is saying no to everything as of now. And um, Democrats are, are saying no to the wall. 
Okay, so here's a question I have out of the shutdown. As it goes on day by day, I mean, we were just talking with Salvador Hernandez about, you know, when you're living paycheck to paycheck, every single day this continues, the stakes get higher for people. Um, who is burning the most political capital as it is extended? Well, I think that the big thing that you have to keep in mind right now is that Democrats are about to take control of the House. The new Congress starts tomorrow. So if Democrats can get in and, and pass something immediately and it looks like they fix something, it will continue to just sort of be on Republicans who have held control of the Senate, the House, and the White House uh, um, for for the last two years, and they haven't been able to figure this out. So I, I guess this is the longer this drags out, the worse it looks for Republicans. Okay. Well, I want to get to the 2020 election in a moment. Do you? But I do. Um, <laughs> I think know, he's putting off as much as possible. It's in my contract. I reviewed it over the holidays. But I just wanted to point out. I was looking at the hashtag just now, and I saw this. A tweet that I have to highlight from Banger Schlanger, who said, LOL, they thinking a delay, an audio delay, I'm assuming, to look like real news. Alas, Banger Schlanger, sometimes when you have live TV, there's an audio delay. <laughs> I wish we were so meta that we could yeah, do this. Yeah, we aren't stuff. faking that. We aren't faking that. We've been trying to get that fixed for a while, man. I just man. thought that was so funny. Evil eye to you, Banger Schlanger. Oh, nice. Anyway, okay, let's talk about 2020. <laughs> we need to. Uh, in the last few days, of course, Elizabeth Warren and Jay Inslee have announced that they're running uh, in 2020. But speaking for us regular people, Lisa, is this the point at which it's time for us to start? Nope, cl- don't. Don't say it. You can not, just don't Closely, think of a secret. Closely following the 2020 election. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, of course, always think that you should be following political news closely. But one thing that I will say is that Democrats are going to have, are expected to have a very large field of candidates. So it might be a while before those, those um, lower tier um, candidates sort of start dropping away, not to say that they're lower tier, but they just don't catch as much fire as some others. Um, so it's going to be a very broad field. You're going to have a lot of names to keep up with. Okay, we're going to have Ooh. a lot of names to keep up with. Why did Warren announce on New Year's Eve of all days? That yeah, felt like, like, why not wait till today? You know, one thing that I was thinking about was that she got a lot of attention on that day, right? I mean, obviously the government shutdown was happening then, but other than that, Elizabeth Warren broke out, and that's really hard to do in the news cycle these days, right? There's just constant flood of stories all the time, and it's really easy for something to get lost um, or, or just have a couple of minutes of, of airtime before something else happens. So um, that was notable to me was that she, she made herself the story that day. And one aspect, I think, of 2020 that will be huge for the Democratic Party is that the Democratic Party does not have a cohesive identity. I don't think we think of one specific leader or issue behind it. So how are they going to navigate all of these candidates coming out and trying to say, I'm the new leader, while also trying to emphasize, hey, we're in control of the House now? Yeah, every vote is going to be members jockeying to show where they stand. It'll be interesting to see how far left the party the party decides to go or if they decide they need to take a middle ground to to sort of counteract Trump. Um so so it, it's going to be very very interesting to see what members are doing especially on Capitol Hill for the, for the next two years. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of stunt queens, uh, what was the deal with Mitt Romney's op-ed last night? Yeah, Mitt Romney kind of came out swinging. Um, so he's basically saying, hey, 
I want to stand apart from Trump, but we've had Republican lawmakers do that before, where sure they'll they'll sort of give him a slap on the wrist, but then go ahead and vote for him, with him, for him anyway. Um, and so it'll it'll be interesting to see how much he he means that. Um, and then again, remember that Trump will almost definitely be the Republican nominee for 2020. Um, what are the odds that Republicans are actually going to turn away from him now as he's approaching re-election? Yeah, that sounds right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us this morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. All right, well, listen, up next, I sit down with Will Rowland, star of the new Broadway musical Be More Chill, which is what I'm trying to be in 2019. Not me. Stay tuned. No, you are not. No chill here. No chill. No chill over there. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Will Rowland, star of the new Broadway musical, Be More Chill. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. So Be More Chill, it's all about growth. It's all about change. Yeah. So I got to open with it's it's the new year. Mm -hmm. Do you have any resolutions or hopes, dreams? Um, yeah, I sort of, uh, I was sitting around on New Year's Eve, and I was trying to come up with something, and I, uh, I, I randomly said, I said, my New Year's resolution is to overcome adversity and be the architect of my own demise. So, Whoa. so if if things go south this year, I want it to be my fault. Like, like no one, no one else has taken me down. So, <laughs> overcome adversity. So if you yeah. if you conquer, yeah. also your fault. Also my fault. But if things fall apart, <laughs> my fault. I like it, man. You're just you're taking a lot of responsibility on taking there. ownership of my life. I really appreciate that. Well, listen, and be more chill. You play a high school student on a quest for popularity. Yep. Let's take a look. I earned the right to selfishly be all for one and one for me. I'm sorry, that's really <laughs> catchy. It bops. I was really enjoying that. What do the kids say? It slaps. I, it's oh, very nice. Look at you keeping up with the terms. Very nice. <laughs> so I gotta ask, uh, how does how does your character go from being a loser geek whatever <laughs> to a popular kid? Um, so Jeremy, who is a, a high school junior, uh, he sort of he wants to be popular. He wants to be well liked. Uh, he wants to get the affections of of the girl that he likes, uh, and he learns about this pill that he can take, uh, which is a supercomputer called a Squip and it will implant in his brain and instruct him how to be more chill. Nice. So it's this sort of like it's this sort of modern take on like the the Faust story, like little shop of horrors, you know, this the 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 terrors of AI gone wrong. But, but a little <laughs> a little tech. Do you like that kind of sci-fi aspect? Oh, I of love it? yeah, I love that stuff so much. I was like a big uh, I watched like every episode of Star Trek the Next Generation yes. when I was in high school. Yes. I feel like G4 TV used to show two episodes back to back. And I watched it every night. All right, so this leads to my next question, which is, were you chill in high school? Um, chill, no. But I, but I definitely <laughs> had like a better, uh, like a, like a better run than than poor Jeremy, who I play. Okay, you were yeah. like chiller than that. Yeah, I was like a very, a very hyped up kid, very <laughs> tightly wound. I remain a very tightly wound kid. Um, but I, but I had a good time, and and you know, I had some good friends who embraced that about me uh -huh. and helped me sort of mm. navigate the world. But I, chill is not a word I would use to describe myself then or now. Those friends are so important. My co-host Saeed, I feel like, kind of brings me back. It helps me chill out. A a little bit. Um, I, I did want to ask, like, with this play, yeah. with the idea of chilling out, with it coming to Broadway in February, mm -hmm. are you nervous at all about it? Oh yeah, I'm super nervous. I'm super nervous because um, I've never uh, been entrusted with this much responsibility before. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm returning, I'm very lucky to say I'm returning to Broadway. I got mm -hmm. to do uh, Dear Evan Hansen last year. For four year. years? Yeah for, yeah, for years and years I worked on Dear Evan Hansen. I loved it, I had a great time. 
Uh, but like now I'm sort of stepping into this this leading man role, uh, which like I said is like a, a huge amount of responsibility. It is. Um, I feel ready, but also uh, like you know it's the first time that someone has said like here you go like. Go for it. You're in charge. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to be the main focus. You will the be show. the architect of your own demise. That's <laughs> that said, he already has a huge fan base. Yeah. What? I mean, it was running off Broadway in Jersey. Mm-hmm. What about this show? Do you think? What do you? What do these fans love about this show? Um, I think there's a there's definitely a, a universal element to what's going on here. It's about being a misfit. It's about being an outsider. It's about feeling like people don't like get you or, or understand you. Um, which I think, like, whether or not you're a teenager is a thing you can relate to. Um, I think also it has this fantastical sci-fi element that we are, uh, like, craving more and more these days as the world gets very insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, you're seeing, like, you know, all, all these, like, sci-fi movies are, are, are what we crave and what we want to do. And I think this feels very much like a Ready Player One, Stranger Things kind of vibe, uh, which hasn't really penetrated musical theater before this. So it's almost like that, that want for escapism. Yeah. I also feel like kids just love this soundtrack so yeah, much. Like I feel like you've got a lot of people talking about the show that even haven't had a chance to see it yet. How do you think social media is changing Broadway? Because I think about Hamilton, of course, yeah. right? When soundtracks get more popular, even as people haven't been able to see the show. Yeah, I, I think that it's I think it's this thing where the the old sort of logic used to be like, oh, like you hold the cast album back, you hold content back so that it doesn't ruin the show, so people don't you know spoil the show. Um, but I think actually, like in the age of social media, mm-hmm. uh, musical theater is sort of resurging in a way that it has not in a long time because there's just you know everybody can sort of find the content that they want, which is you know evidenced by this show. All these kids are like, I want this, I don't want anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of coupled with like the the musical itself becomes like a concert experience. Like just because Beyonce puts out a new album doesn't mean that you don't still want to go see Beyonce when she's in town. Mm. So we're Beyonce's is what I'm saying. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, that is a bold, you, I was with you Beyonce. up until then, but that was a bold Same step. Same thing. A bold <laughs> step that you took there right at the last second. Um, I did want to add, like you're talking about resurgence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, you, you, you've got these two characters, original characters that you are making famous on Broadway now, but if you could have a classic Broadway musical kind of come back and you could star as any character you wanted, yeah. Who would it be? What musical? Um, this is like way in the future in my life, but uh-huh. I love 1776. It's like a great, great show uh-huh. uh, that like does not get enough credit. Um, uh-huh. And John Adams is this, uh, you know, this short, quote, obnoxious and disliked uh, member of the Constitutional Convention. <laughs> and he just, you know, it's it's all about this like short, <laughs> loud man screaming America into existence. Like, that's all that he does. And that's that's the role. There's for you. a whole song. You're, you're not going with Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. You're not going no, that's no, what you they want. keep repeating, he's obnoxious and disliked. Did you know that? And then he's like, he just screams until America happens. <laughs> And I, I want to star in that in show. The future, in yeah, the future. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like 15 years down the line. All right. What about, I mean, I know Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. going to film. Would you want to make a jump? Oh, my God, to I'd love screen? to. Yeah. Would you want to Absolutely. be Jeremy? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, would do, I would love to do the Dear Evan Hansen movie, the Be More Chill movie. Mm-hmm. These things are all sort of, you know, I'm, I'm very focused on Be More Chill on Broadway right now. Mm-hmm. But I would, like, love to be a part of either of those projects. That's There's so awesome. many, like awesome people who I respect creating them, and so I just like want to work with them. What about the 1776, if that could be a film? 
It is a film. It's a great film. <laughs> Mr. Feeney's the star. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, really? it's William Daniels. Okay. Yeah. Wait, if they did a like remake, a young do it? 60s. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. In a heartbeat. All right. Listen, Hollywood, call him up, man. He's call ready. Me. Also, again, shout out to The Blazer. Hey, thank you. It's looking, a Twitter show. Looking very, very good. Thank you, Will, for joining us. Be More Chill will be on Broadway starting February 13th. Up next, we've got more AM to DM. And I get it. The Blue Bird, The Blue Jacket Twitter show. I get it. Thought I about get it. what you did there. <laughs> nice. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. I am literally so scared for my life. These are the stories of 10 young women allegedly killed by their boyfriends in 2018. Whew. I am joined now by Stephanie McNeil, BuzzFeed News editor, and of course, guest host here on the show. She gathered these women's stories. Thank you for putting this together. Of course, thank you for uh, having me on as a guest. It's so it's kind of weird being yeah, a guest here like on the show, but part of the I'm happy to talk about these women's stories because it is super important. It's super important. Um, I feel like we saw them individually, but collectively, it's very powerful. So you opened by uh, sharing some really powerful statistics from the CDC. Can you talk to the, talk about those? Yeah, so the CDC says an estimated 8.5 million women in the U.S. have experienced some sort of partner violence in their lifetime, and that's rape, stalking, physical assault, uh, emotional abuse. But one of the things that's really interesting about that statistic in particular is those 8.5 million women, most of them have experienced this from that partner before they were 18 years old. So this is something that I feel like a lot of people think of as being an issue among adults, but it really is an issue among teenagers as well. And then another statistic, which is just super sobering, is that over 40% of female murder victims are killed by intimate partners. Ooh. So almost the majority of women killed in the United States were killed by someone they were dating or had been dating in the past. Yeah. And, and, and as you said, so in, in, and we're talking about by the time most women are 18, they've already experienced this. It's not just like, oh, it's a problem adults have. or It's like, no, this is a contemporary issue facing young people as well. And it, I, that is why I decided to do this. You know, as a news editor and reporter, you know, I've been doing this in the national scheme now for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And it really strikes me how often we see stories of young teenage girls killed by their boyfriends. And that's actually why I wanted to put this together because as a national reporter, we don't really have the time mm. or the bandwidth to do individual stories on each right. girl. And unfortunately, the ones that do end up making the national news are, you know, white girls, mm -hmm. affluent girls, yeah. and a lot of girls who are women of color, who right. are from less affluent communities, Absolutely. they kind of fly under the radar and no one picks them up. So it's like, I wanted to as kind of a year-end thing, although it is not the best year-end review, um, look at all of these because that's something that, to me, has always been super surprising is how many girls this happens to every year, and I feel like I see them a little bit more just because I'm so Good involved job. in yeah. the news. I mean, certainly, I, I, the way you talk about, like, it's hard, like, covering violence against trans people, for example, it's like right. how we don't have the bandwidth for everything, um, but bringing it together. So let's talk about these 10 women. Mm -hmm. What are some of the similarities you saw in their stories? I think one similarity is that a lot of them had experienced violence from these partners in the past. And again, this is all alleged, all of these cases Every single person, the person, perpetrator, alleged perpetrator, still has yet to go to trial. These all happened this year. Every single one of them actually has pled not guilty. Mm. Um, so this is something where all of these cases are going to go to trial now. I don't know if that might change. Um, but 
in the prosecutor documents, a lot of these women had told either their friends or family that they had experienced partner violence. One of the women actually, I mean, we say women, she was 17, mm. um, had posted on Facebook and all I had to do was go to her Facebook page. Her name was LaShonda Childs mm. and look at her Facebook page and she had posted in detail about what her ex-boyfriend allegedly had done to her. He said, she said he was pulling her hair. She said she like lit her hair on fire at one point. She was posting about this and less than 10 days later, she was killed allegedly oh by this goodness. person. Um, yeah. I also, and in another example, because again, it's like these are, we're calling them women, these are teenagers often, um, but they're also actively talking about what's happening to them. So I wanted to talk about Kareem Barreto Salabaza. Um, what happened to her? Because the I'm literally scared for my life. That That's something she, I believe, texted? Yeah, so that was something that was in the affidavit against her alleged murderer. Mm -hmm. uh, she said that she had been texting her friends and family that she was literally so scared for her life that she was worried he was crazy. She called him... Gio, his name is Giovanni Heron. He mm. said, Gio, Gio is crazy, mm. blah, blah, blah. And allegedly what happened is that he lured her to a park and shot her. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I, I really appreciate you talking candidly as a breaking news editor about, you know, recognizing that these are stories out there. Every life is a valuable life, um, but not always being able to cover them. What are some things, or just one thing even, that you would... Uh, say that we should keep in mind, like in media, in terms of covering these kinds of cases. Is there something we can do better? It's really hard to say. Um, I think, obviously, the ones that make the news, I think maybe should be viewed as a systemic of a gianter issue. Mm. One of the things that I really wanted to say to you guys is that I, don't, I did 10 of these because, frankly, it was just a lot of work and it was the end of the year and I needed to just kind of wrap it up, but there were so many more. Mm. I could have done 20, I could have done 30. Uh, I, I had expanded it you know, into people under 25. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times I ended up not writing about a woman because she was 21, 22, 23. Like mm -hmm. these are still very young girls and just to be able to wrap my head around it and have some sort of cutoff, I had to say, okay, girls under 20. Wow. Um, so this is something that affects women in every stage of their life. There are so many other cases besides these. And some of the cases that I actually really wanted to write about, mm -hmm. I ended up not being able to because I just couldn't get any information. Mm -hmm. there, I found their story from one newspaper article and I tried calling the police and everything and I just couldn't get the information. So there's so many other stories that have been told. And another thing is I found these stories literally just by Googling teen killed by boyfriend, and I found probably 30 names. So that, that in and of so it's itself... Like it's the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's the tip of the iceberg, and it's just, you know, I don't know if, you know, any viewers have any ideas of how we could cover these better. I would love to hear them. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing more roundups, something like that. So, yeah, let us know. Absolutely. I mean, because it is a type of story. I mean, whether it is, uh, you know, I think just over uh, the last few days, I believe, like a trans woman was killed in Chicago, right? And, mm -hmm. we, and we hear these individual stories. Black people being, you know, unnecessarily um, having the cops called on them. And it's like story, 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 story. And it's overwhelming, you know? So we would love to hear from you. If you guys have ideas about how perhaps we can, like, cover these in a different way, all ears, all ears. Yeah, it actually reminded me very much of the epidemic of 
black men and women being killed by police officers. Mm. They, I, I kept thinking about that, how we could do a similar round of something right. like that, because that is a similar situation where, you know, there are these huge cases that everyone hears about, but there's so many others. And as journalists, as news editors, you kind of have to pick and choose. And that's unfortunate, but at a national level, you know, that's all we can do. And I guess one more thing, if I could jump yeah. in really quick, yeah. is we wouldn't know these stories without local news. Mm. They are the ones who are covering these stories. Point. So I think investing in local news who are really on the ground, being able to tell every single person's story in their community, because on a national level, we just aren't able to. That's an excellent well, thank you for doing this, and thank you for the transparency. It was so helpful. Um, again, you can read this post. We're tweeting it out right now. We've got to take care of these young women. We have to value them. Um, more AM to DM is up next. Okay, uh, well, I'm supposed to read for the prompter, so I'm just going to risk it, guys. Here we go. We're lifting. Ah! All right. I love that. That was great. I didn't mess up my hair. Uh, Netflix film tweeted this a week after they did a debut of its original film, Bird Box. You might have seen it. Uh, took off my blindfold to discover that 45,037,125 Netflix accounts have already watched Bird Box. Best first seven days ever for a Netflix film. That is a whole lot of people on Netflix. All right, Alison Wilmore, my girl, and one of my favorite critic and culture writers at BuzzFeed News is here. Hello. 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 This movie, it's, it's not good, but you have to see it. <laughs> Exactly. That's perfectly it. Yes. I, I, I'm obsessed. Um, I mean, I just, I watched it and I have not stopped talking about it. <laughs> I was in Mexico. I don't even know Spanish. And I was looking up Spanish memes, of which there are many. Um, but 45 million viewers. Again, that is a lot of people. Sure. How does this compare to other big Netflix wins? Well, I mean, the thing with Netflix is right. that they always release, they don't make their numbers public. They right. release their own metrics. Okay. So we always have to kind of grain go of by, salt. yeah, grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Also because, you know, we've gone through a whole round of like being like, when people sell for Report their own numbers. Tech companies, maybe we have to. Uh, Look at that. Yes. See? So, no. <laughs> but that said, uh -huh. you know, whatever 45 million accounts watching the movie, mm -hmm. whatever that means, mm -hmm. obviously Netflix has an enormous range. Like it's, right. it's like subscriber base, it's global, it's huge. And I think this is a real kind of show of power for them. For, it, you know. I mean, it was impressive. I mean, I know I'm not a film critic, but I know the holiday kind of break yeah. is the time for movies. And I was like, well, based on social chatter, Bird Box and Bandersnatch. It was like, <laughs> my God. And Spider-Man. Like, those were the three yeah. films. But, you know, why, why did Bird Box? Because, I mean... Crazy movies come out. Netflix puts out, like, five new things so a day. So many. But I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was memed the way this movie has. What is it about it? I think it was timing, in okay. part. Like, it, they managed to get this movie in right as, like, so many people were heading home for okay. the holidays, uh -huh. and you have a lot more time to kind of sit around. Mm. And this movie, for whatever it's worth, you mm -hmm. know, it's like a horror movie, but it's, like, not a traumatizing horror yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, it's a fun kind of silly I like, horror movie. I don't like scary, scary, yeah, scary movies. Yeah, it sounds, it feels a little familiar already. Mm -hmm. It feels a bit like A Quiet Place, except mm -hmm. with, you know, sight. <laughs> uh, it's something that you could conceivably watch with your parents, and, right. like, there's not that much in there where you're like, uh, squirming away, right. you know? So I think that like they really hit the sweet spot. Plus Sandra Bullock, huge star, right. even though I saw one person refer to her online as the lady from Bird Box. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about this disrespect for Sandra Bullock. We have one of these tweets. Sabrina, you tweet, how dare you, Sabrina? You said, Twitter <laughs> discovered Sandra Bullock five days ago and they've been obsessed with her ever since. The nerve! <laughs> 
I am shook. I shrieked when I saw some of those. Oh my God. Okay, can we, can we scold the children on Santa Bullock? I'm like, you know, I know that the internet has made everyone have like a kind of short memory. Everything exists in the present, <laughs> but come on. Sandra Bullock, that is Sandra Bullock. Yes, I yes. mean, seeing her in Speed. Yes. Seeing her in Speed too. I ain't been on a cruise ship since, okay? <laughs> I, I remember seeing, I was thinking about like seeing her in Practical Magic. That's an iconic film oh, for a lot iconic. of people. Oh, uh, iconic. You know, and she's done like so many romantic comedies. Yes. She was like one of the most successful stars for the huge stretch, and I think still is a hugely successful oh star. God. I know. Let us not forget who I Sandra Bullock is. Also, also <laughs> she's been in a huge movies recently. Well, she was in Ocean's 8. That she was, was just like... in Ocean's 8. <laughs> shook, shook. And though he has a younger career, he's also been doing pretty well these last few years. Trevante Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Best post-apocalyptic body, honey. <laughs> Girl, I love it. It was like five years in. He's I know. still like... He's still looking amazing. Listen. I mean, you know, you have a lot of time in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> they some, they, you do they need to have a scene where Trevante Rhodes like drive into the gym. <laughs> yes. Speed bump, speed bump. Um, but he, he was really great. He's really movie. great in this. And, you know, I was I'm just so happy to see him, like, in all of these bigger movies. Because, right. of course, I, Moonlight. Moonlight. He's, like, amazing in Moonlight. Mm -hmm. And, I you know, you it's led to him, like, really becoming, like, a mainstream kind of almost an action star. He was I like a predator. It. I like but, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he's so good at flirting in this he movie. He is very good at <laughs> I'll try to keep it very professional. Sure, but yes, sure. yes. I was like, I was into that relationship. Sure, sure, like sure. post-apocalyptic romance. Yeah. Here for it. Here for it. Because I would love to be able to say to Trevante, like, hey, we're the only <laughs> two people here. You and me. I'm single. You're single. Yeah. Everyone else is dead. Um, I also want to point out, I haven't gotten to see it yet. I think okay. I'm going to watch it tonight. Mm. Um, but Bandersnatch, I feel like when people weren't talking about Bird Box yes. and what they weren't raving about, and it was, Isaac was definitely one of these people, raving about Spider-Man, uh, Spider Spider yeah. they were talking about Bandersnatch. How is Netflix pulling all of this off, the scale. Sure. I mean, they I mean, they spend so much money on content, and mm -hmm. I think that's important to point out. Okay. Like, no one else has the kind of budget that Netflix has been having. Okay. They've been able to throw money at people like Shonda Rhimes, you know, to, like, mm -hmm. bring her in and, like, mm -hmm. uh, like coax her away from, right. like, all of these other places. Uh, you know, you have, like, uh, a place that has, like, huge, like, a huge viewership, mm -hmm. and everyone's at home. Uh, I, you know, I don't think Bandersnatch was, like, anyone's favorite episode of Black Mirror, oh, or, like, you know, yeah. like, maybe some people, but, like, I think what, like, really got people talking is that it had this choose-your-own-adventure yeah. kind of format, and, like, yeah. no one has done something like that before. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, you know? Love it. And so, like, that's the kind of thing that gets people talking, and See. I think, like, this has really been a huge kind of holiday, you know, moment for Netflix. I like it. Yeah? Like, could you imagine, like, a show like, like, Pose having a choose-your-own-adventure format where you could follow with different characters? It'd be incredible. All right, well, girl, I always get my life from Allison. Aww. Read her work, know her, know her. Um, and let us know your thoughts about Bird Box. Because I'm sure you, at this point, none of you have tweeted about Bird Box at all. Use the hashtag AMPDM. I want some memes, children. Up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. <laughs> You gonna open with a tweet? Oh, yeah, am I? I didn't know you wanted me to read it. Yeah. Oh, no, fine. Um, <clears throat> this week comes from uh, Blasian FMA. Hey, girl, happy new year. You said, we were watching Bird Box, and one of the people in my living room said, Sandra Bullock does well under pressure. And then someone else said, yep, ever since she drove that bus at 55 miles per hour, we all laughed. We are old as fuck. Yeah, the kids don't, whoop, the kids don't even know. Go Wildcats. Also, I mean, speed, Keanu Reeves. I don't get it. Mm, mm. You know what it is? What? They were born long after that movie came out. Well, 
I mean, Ocean's Eight is right there. I, you know, I love Saeed's Ocean's Eight. like, watch the classic. Ah, hey, Ocean Eight. I'll tell you this. Ocean's Eight was one of my favorite movies of the year. I watched it with low expectations because everyone bagged on it so and much. And it went. Mm, I enjoyed that I movie. People Ocean's are like loopholes. That's all Ocean's Elevens is. <laughs> Anyways, we asked you, what is something you would like to give up for the month of January? Jingle Bell Rock says, I've given up alcohol and sugar for Ooh. January. Totally overdid it during the holidays. That's real. Well, shout out to you. Good luck. That's that's all I'm gonna that's say. That's all you gotta yeah. say. Good luck. That, and to think, I, I love this um, because it's what Teresa said. Like when people say, I'm going to give up alcohol and sugar, the, do not go, oh, that is so hard. Oh, why would you do? That is not how we embrace people taking change, right? You just go, shout out to you. You know, that's all you got to do. We're only upping people in 2019. Hello. You know? I like that. There Except it is. for, no, I'm kidding. All right. Oh. PM Kester has this list. to say, you're giving up fear of what others think of me. I love that. That's really good, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Man, that is a good one. Fear. Because that's not even, like, it may not even be true, right? The, the concerns you have may not, but it's like the anxiety we kind of hang on to what if, what if. I love it. And I love the idea of that because it's less of a giving up. It's almost a, a letting go. It's a freeing. Yeah, a, yeah. a freeing. Ooh, I, you know, it's easier to be like very kumbaya where I'm wearing my poncho. You, let me tell you, you looked very, very flowy very today. Mother Earth. Very, look, very kind of mother. Serving, you, serving you like Loki Kwanzaa. Uh, yep. Like that. <laughs> into it. <laughs> We haven't seen each other Bill for Bill has this to say about my sit-down with Will Rowland. Yes, Will, bring 1776 back to the stage. Yeah, so have you seen 1776? I haven't. Let me tell you. when. But he, I love when he was like, it's a movie. When he broke out into song. I love it. That's, because I don't, you know, you don't want to ask a comedian or ask, you know, somebody that's on Broadway to like do. sing. Uh-huh. But if they bring it up themselves and they just start letting loose with their talent, I love it. When that but happens. also, LOL, you don't have to ask a theater kid to break out into <laughs> song. You know those hoes are ready to start singing. You know Will was ready. He was. He, he stays sure ready. Was. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, friends. Again, welcome to 2019. We're so happy to be back. Thank you to our guests, Teresa Tampkins, Salvador Hernandez, Lysandra Villa, Will Rowland, Stephanie McNeil, and Allison Wilmore. Are you going to watch Bird Box? I'm going to watch Bird Box. Let me tell you, I got the bad ending of Bandersnatch like a little too quick. Oh, I'm going to talk to my therapist about it. I'm going to watch Listen, it. we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. <laughs> I'm just what being honest in 2019.